This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. And so am I. Always happy to have our next guest join us. Hasn't been too long since I spoke to him, but it has been a little bit for you, Sandy. So I want to welcome to the show Aaron Anderson from Fox 31. You can find him on Twitter at Aaron Anderson. That's been with S-E-N. Aaron, thanks for joining us. And, and I do want to engage a little bit of what we did uh, last night on your Colorado Sports Night program. The idea sure. that even though uh, it is one of many games, even though the Raiders and the Broncos uh, are expected, they were last year, and expected to be again, by most reckoning, the, the two worst teams in the AFC West, the fact that Sean Payton downplayed the rivalry did actually seem to ruffle some feathers, and it still sort of is doing so. Well, I, look, it is, and, and thank you so much for having me on, and, and Sean, thank you for joining us last night. As we talked about, um, uh, this is a rivalry that dates across seven decades, and it goes back to the AFL days, and I think what makes rivalries so special, especially in the NFL, is history and longevity. And when you've been at you know, odds and ends and, and beating up on each other for that long, there is great history. And you know, the more I thought about it in our conversation last night on Colorado Sports Night, Sean, there's a part of me that maybe gives Sean Payton a pass because he didn't really experience that in the NFC South. I mean, what kind of history do you have between the Falcons and Panthers or really the, the Bucks and the Saints? It, it certainly doesn't come close to what we've seen here, historically speaking, when it comes to these four teams in the AFC West and, and you know, how, how critical these matchups have been for, you know, AFC playoffs throughout the years. And the fact that they've been at it for so long, I think, certainly gives people here dates to circle on the calendar, whereas – what uh, Peyton may be used to in, in his first uh, foray into, you know, NFL coaching would, would be, you know, uh, considerably less on the scale of importance. So, you know, the fact that he poo-pooed it a little bit, I think I understand, but certainly for fans here in Denver, you mentioned the Raiders and, uh, you know, the hair goes back on the peop- uh, you know, the back of your neck. I mean, this is a big week. This is a big rivalry and it's a game. I know fans here are excited to see. Mike Shanahan was the last coach for obvious reasons, who hated the Raiders so much that even when on very few occasions during Mike's time here, the Raiders were better than the Broncos were, Mike desperately wanted to win that game. Even when he knew he didn't have a championship team or had a pretty good idea, he didn't and might have even known the Raiders were better. Much more often during Mike Shanahan's time here, the Broncos were really, really good, and the Raiders were really, really bad. And the Broncos just beat up on the Raiders time after time after time. And maybe I'm missing a game here somewhere, but if I know this history, I bet Sean Payton knows it. It's been 30 years since the Broncos and Raiders played a game of any consequence whatsoever. That's no rivalry. That That's something out of the AFL days and certainly something out of the 70s when the Broncos by 1977 finally learned how to beat the Raiders and beat them in a championship game to get to their first Super Bowl, their first year in the playoffs. And it was a great rivalry in the 80s, uh, particularly with Dan Reeves' teams and teams coached by Tom Flores. 
year after year, the Broncos and Raiders would take turns at finishing first. Now they take turns at finishing last. So to me, I'll defend Sean Payton to the hilt on this point. There is no rivalry. These two teams haven't played a meaningful game in three decades. Well, I I think there's a lot. And nobody cares about it here. Nobody cares about it here. Fans don't care about it anymore. I mean, they care about it because it's the opener and it's a divisional game. But all the things that Sean Payton said are true. You know, if if, if the Broncos beat the Raiders, they'll break what seems like an almost inconceivable six-game losing streak to the Raiders, and it hasn't been because the Raiders have been all that good over those six yeah. games. It's just it's more, more, much more about how bad the Broncos have been. Well, you, you referenced Mike Shanahan. I believe that there's still a million dollars outstanding that the Raiders owe him after he was fired. I think uh, Mike, even Mike has let that go by now, but there, there was a, <laughs> he never forgot that, among other slights. Sure. Uh, it, it, uh, for his time, which was almost uniformly unpleasant uh, for almost a year and a half with the Raiders as, as the head coach. But, yes, you, you're right. And and Mike had a particular personal stake in, in the matchup. But, you know, you, you look at now, uh, I mean, I think Sean Payton and Josh McDaniels actually get along pretty well because Belichick and Sean Payton are very close friends. So I, I imagine there, there's no animosity between the coaches, which hasn't always been the case uh, down through the years when this rivalry was really a rivalry. And from a player standpoint, I, I can't imagine that Russell Wilson, who's got a lot to worry about this year, is thinking much this week about the rivalry with the Raiders. And we got to beat him because there's this great rivalry got going on. Russell Wilson has more important things to worry about than a rivalry with the Raiders that hasn't existed in a long time. Well, I, no, I, I think you make several great points, and I think chief among them would be the fact that you have two two uh, franchises that have fallen on hard times. Exactly. And unless games do have significance, it's it's just a week one matchup. And, and I think there is something to be said for that. However, I mean, look, historically speaking, having lost six straight, I mean, gosh, the Broncos haven't beaten the Raiders since they moved to Vegas. And, <laughs> yes, that's we, true. They haven't beaten them this decade. That exactly right. And then you know we could certainly piggyback up of what Frank Clark said earlier this year, coming from Kansas City, saying we don't consider these guys rivals because th- there was no rivalry. It was so lopsided. So maybe that's where you start. You know, maybe the answer that Sean Payton could have given was, "Hey, I understand the history between these franchises, but until both of these clubs uh, become contenders, I think it's maybe it's." It, that's not the important thing right now. The most important thing would be getting a win and not worrying about rubbing it in your rival's face. But I think right. for those of us who, who have been around this game a long time, and well, I can tell you, I remember the Raiders Broncos games and it was always knock down, drag them out. Oh, sure. Uh, I certainly, certainly would love to see that tone. I, and I'd love return. to see the rivalry come back, but the teams have to get a lot better for that to happen. No, that that's a fair point. I and mean, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, and the bottom line here is that both of these teams, based on the way the last few seasons have gone, desperately need to get off to a fast start. So how about we, we change maybe the tone of this from rivalry week to uh, a must-win opening game, get a win when you can, and uh, move on to week two. The, uh, the the fact of the matter with the Raiders and looking that up while you guys were talking, the last time the Raiders won the division was in 2002. Since that span, <laughs> by the way, Jerry Rice was their leading receiver, if that throws you back. Uh, in that span, they have had two seasons 
in which they have scored more points than their opponents. Two. It's been a wow. disastrous streak for the Raiders. They've been and bad longer than the Broncos. Much longer. But I, I think what this <laughs> speaks to, guys, is is kind of a uh, – it's a problem that the Broncos have sort of – a corner they've backed themselves into because you have a fan base yeah. now that is so desperate for any measuring stick that even the fact that the Raiders haven't been good in 20 years have not been a threat to win this division, beating them would feel – like something positive because they haven't even beaten them. And it is sort of the desperation of a fan base that is not accustomed to being desperate. And this is something that the Broncos, these are self-inflicted injuries and trying to navigate the fan expectations. And I think the more realistic expectations that Sean Payton probably has, which I think is in part why as Sandy pointed out, he's not drawing that much attention to it. There's a much bigger picture here that isn't going to materialize any faster because you beat the Raiders on on Sunday. But this is what the Broncos have to navigate this entire year for fan expectations who were so let down by thinking Russell Wilson was the fix. And now the idea that Sean Payton is the fix to fix the fix that didn't work, there is sort of a, a bizarre situation here for the Broncos fan base that at least in my lifetime I've never experienced. I, I think you could just uh, maybe chalk it up to humble pie. And, and that's what we've, we've been forced to, the Broncos fans have been force fed since Super Bowl 50, which is, you know, a football team that hasn't been competitive, a football team that hasn't been compelling and frankly, hasn't been fun to watch. So you're, you're absolutely on point. And, you know, that's, that's where we are, you know, um, maybe baby steps is, is kind of the best way to frame it where, yeah, th- this is a franchise that has lost its way. There have been multiple coaches there that, you know, were, were given the task to, to turn things around. And finally, you've got a guy in Sean Payton who's taken a no-nonsense approach to things and wants to just incrementally lay things out. And, uh, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right and in the sense that this is a fan base that is, I think, starving for something positive. And, um, you know, there hasn't been a lot of those over the last few years, certainly not last season, which was an utter and total embarrassment. So, you know, this team very much so is starting from square one. And uh, as we look at this Raiders game, uh, there were only five wins last year. So I don't care if it's the Raiders, the Browns, the Chiefs, whoever, a win is a win. And Sean Payton is going to try to stack up as many as he can uh, as, as he tries to you know, somehow breathe life into a franchise which has kind of gone dormant over the last few years. Well, to regain respectability, uh, much less a but playoff contending position, the Broncos can't continue to lose divisional games on their home field. That as it, it doesn't matter who they're playing. That's true. I want to ask you because you you kind of nudged up against this idea. We've been talking for weeks about how Russell Wilson's reputation took a hit last year. His job wasn't on the line during training camp, but his reputation if not during training camp, then certainly starting on Sunday. His reputation is on the line. Seth Wickersham of ESPN wrote a fascinating long-form feature on Sean Payton. It's out mm. today. It's a lead story on ESPN.com. For those who haven't read it, please read it. Seth Wickersham is an outstanding writer. He knows Sean Payton well. Sean Payton gave him access that certainly no one here in town has when it comes to the Broncos in general and Sean Payton in particular. And my question to you would be this, maybe in a different sense, 
Sean Payton, regardless of how the Broncos do this year, is not coaching for his job. But he is coaching for his reputation. And you know who seems to feel that way the strongest? Sean Payton. When asked by Seth Wickersham if he thinks about the Hall of Fame, he basically said, oh, only every day. Think about it all the time. Now, Russell Wilson, being who Russell Wilson is, we know Russell Wilson thinks about the Hall of Fame all the time. He will never admit that. Unlike Sean Payton, he will never admit that he thinks about it all the time. But isn't it, in a maybe slightly different sense, a year of great importance for Sean Payton, who, as this piece established, is still a man who hates with a passion, with the same passion that Mike Shanahan hated Al Davis. Sean Payton hates Roger Goodell. I mean, hates him. And I remember when the Raiders won a Super Bowl back when Roselle was commissioner and they were bitter enemies and people wondered if Al Davis would show up Pete Roselle during the Super Bowl celebration when presented with the championship trophy by Pete Roselle. It turned out Al Davis didn't do that. I'm yeah. not so sure that Sean Payton would be as gracious toward Roger Goodell if the day comes when the Broncos are Super Bowl champions. But Sean Payton certainly thinks to get into the Hall of Fame, he's got to win a Super Bowl. So in his mind, his reputation's on the line. His reputation, which he still believes took a hit with Bounty Gate. Of course it did. Mm-hmm. A sure. major hit. In fact, in his view, Bounty Gate kept him out of the Hall of Fame for now because without Bounty Gate, Sean Payton feels they wouldn't have been screwed over in New Orleans in that championship game with the Rams. And he has many other grievances, both real and imagined, against the NFL in believing that the NFL didn't give a whit about the New Orleans Saints. And in fact, through a period of uh, years called more penalties on the New Orleans Saints who ran a very clean offense than maybe any team over a similar period in the history of the NFL. And he thinks that's all Roger Goodell and it's all NFL owners uh, like Dan Rooney of the Pittsburgh Steelers who told Tom Benson to fire Sean Payton after Bounty Gate. Mm. If you talk about well, a guy with a long memory and he thinks yeah. he's He'd be a shoo-in for the Hall of Fame, if not for Bounty Gate. Well, it's it's not a slide. It's a black eye. He was suspended for a year. Yeah, you're right. um, You know, listen, uh, the great athletes, and and in this case, great coaches, find ways to motivate themselves. In terms of legacies, I mean, we could talk at great length about how bad the New Orleans Saints were until Sean Payton arrived. They won a Super Bowl, which was unfathomable. If you watched that franchise for the first, what was it, 25 years, 30 years of existence, um, completely turned things around for that that uh, football franchise. And to to be suspended for a year when, you know, as we look back, I'm, I'm sure there's other coaches that if you talk to them off the record, said we were doing the same damn thing. You know, he's the one that, that bore the, the brunt of, you know, that scandal. He was the one who's, faces on it and I, I i i don't blame him uh as far as hall of fames and all those you know invites and all that uh i i don't i can't speak i've never had a conversation with sean payton about it but i i can guarantee you 
that the idea that him coming to a franchise in, in the Broncos that had lost its way, he's able to turn things around here, he's going to be a shoe-in for the Hall of Fame. So I, I, I totally get that. I thought the interesting one of the interesting nuggets from the article today was the statement he made to Russell Wilson, which was basically get off social media and stop kissing babies. Well, we, we, Peter King had that quote, and apparently Sean Payton on the record admitted to Seth Wickersham, who obviously knew of that quote given to Peter King. Mm-hmm. He asked him about it, and Sean Payton says, I told Russell Wilson that to his face yep. with profanities included in what Sean Payton said uh, to Russell Wilson, according to Sean Payton, will you bleep and stop kissing all the babies? You're not running for public office. He said that to Wilson. The piece established that he has no real problem personally or professionally with Russell Wilson, but he did have a major problem with the way Russell Wilson acted in Denver last year. Aaron, this part is intriguing. We're talking with Aaron Anderson of Fox 31. Last one for you to that to that set. These two guys, whether they come at it very differently, they want the exact same thing. They want their busts in Canton. They disagree with how to get there. But here's the thing. Right now, they need each other. How quickly can they get on the same page? That certainly remains to be seen. Yes. And, uh, there's, there's That's the big question, though, it. isn't it? No, it, it absolutely is. And, I mean, we could sit here and uh, ruminate about it, but the bottom line is we're not going to know uh, until, I think, probably six, seven games into the season how this is taken. I, you know, I think Russell has certainly said all the right things. Um, but, you know, what was for, for me, and I, I go back to just before camp started, there was that video I believe it was shot by, it might have been Deion Sanders' son, in Boulder of Russell Wilson practicing, right. where he was scrambling in the pocket. And the first thing I thought was, you have a coach who comes in who has a very um, defined way to operate offensively. It's, it's not a lot of improv. It's quick steps. It's boom. I'm three steps, I'm, I'm hitting this guy. I'm hitting that guy you know, quick progressions, throwing the ball away. Here's Russell after working through, you know, the OTA schedule, and he's practicing what he knows, which is I'm going to do things on the fly, and I'm spinning around, and, I'm, and then I'm going to throw this thing 70 yards to this receiver. That's not what Sean Payton is looking for. Certainly there will be license for improv, and there's going to be plays made out of the pocket uh, on occasion but the bulk of what we're going to see Russell Wilson doing, I believe, is going to be in the pocket. It's going to be quick passes. It's going to be taking a lot of weight off his shoulders with an offense that gives him the means to dink and dunk to pick up first downs. And I think that's going to be the fight. And maybe fight isn't the right word, but it reminds me of a golf swing. And if anybody out there's yeah. tried to change their swing, yeah, I like what that. happens when you start to play golf, When you, I don't care if you work with, the, the greatest pro there is, Hank Haney, whoever it is, when you get on the course, things change and you revert back to what it is you know what you feel comfortable with. And that's really going to be the tale of this tape is can Russell Wilson trust Sean Payton so much so that he's willing when the chips are down and he's feeling pressure, he's willing to still follow this new game plan, this new formula for success because – 
when I saw that tape of him throwing footballs in Boulder, that showed me, okay, I did all this, that, that stuff, and OTAs are out of the way. This is how I like to play, and we'll see who wins this battle. He is Aaron Anderson. Make sure you give him a follow uh, on Twitter. Aaron's A-R-R-A-N and Anderson with an S-E-N. And check him out every night on Fox 31 as well as the Colorado Sports Night that they put together with uh, Taylor Kilgore, who we've heard on these airwaves, and Bruce Hurdle, who, of course, is on these airwaves, and uh, Mick Miller, of course, as well. So thanks so much for the, the time, my friend. You're right. We'll, we'll find out uh, when they start playing games. Unfortunately, that's not very far away from today. Thanks a lot, Aaron. Hey, can't wait for Sunday. Thank you so much, guys. Great to chat. All right, thanks so much. And the, the, the one part of that I will add before we, before we step away for a moment, that we do know about how that's going to work, is that regardless of the results, Russell Wilson in the preseason, in his limited time in Game 1 and Game 2, clearly focused on staying in the pocket and did his best. It was evident, because we watched him play last year, evident that he is making a conscientious clear effort to fit within the offense. Now, how long that lasts and how long that works, we'll see. Here's one other thing that's clear, especially after reading this piece today. There's no meeting halfway. Russell Wilson must come not 99% of the way, 100% of the way toward Sean Payton. Sean Payton is not meeting Russell Wilson in the middle. He's not meeting him with... 80% 80% Sean Payton, 20% Russell Wilson, 90-10, 95-5, or 99-1. It's 100% buy-in, or the consequences will be significant. Let's talk about that, because I bet you and I have very different opinions on whether that's healthy, fair, or anything in between. The number is 303-831-1340. Want to get your feedback as well. We'll be back with more on My Life Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Before we get into the wins and losses, remember that if you are hurt in an accident, you need the wins and you need them right now. Talk to our friends at Burnham Law. BurnhamLaw.com, 720-845-7001 is the number, and that's what they do. They win. Their personal injury attorneys have years of experience fighting for their clients, and when you're injured, they'll push for you to get the maximum recovery, whether that's by settlement or trial, what's best for you, not what's best for them. They're easy to find. Locations in Fort Collins, Boulder, Westminster, Cherry Creek, the DTC, Colorado Springs, and even up north in Cheyenne. So when you're hurt, you need that win. Don't hire someone off a billboard. Hire someone who will go fight for you and put you first. That's our friends at Burnham Law. BurnhamLaw.com, 720-845-7001. Sandy, you were talking about the uh, expose, I suppose, or deep dive into oh, the, uh, no, the Sean I, I Payton psyche. Expose, it's it's clearly, and you know, Jarrett Bell, right, got he quotes. Has, Sean Payton has some guys he trusts to talk to, uh, right? Yes. And and he was clearly comfortable. And I think in this piece, you understand why he was comfortable talking to Jarrett Bell, who covered Sean Payton in New Orleans. But he's also very comfortable with Seth Wickersham of ESPN, who is a fantastic uh, NFL writer, uh, wrote uh, a brilliant book on Brady and Belichick that I think is the definitive work on Brady and Belichick. And now, uh, having been around Sean Payton, 
right after he won a Super Bowl, starts the piece there and talks about Sean Payton in a way that makes Sean Payton into a real-life personality whose strengths are his weaknesses, whose weaknesses are his strengths, and it's a fascinating and complicated portrait, and Sean Payton speaks to Seth Wickersham in a way that I haven't heard him speak to anybody. If you were to say many of the same things, and you said Russell Wilson instead of Sean Payton, I would have bought it just the same. Some of his strengths are his weaknesses. Yeah. Some of the things that, that has made him good are the things that actually hold him back. Yeah. Uh, that there are a lot, there's a lot of overlap. And the, what, what struck me is the point you made. You know, the, these two guys probably don't see eye to eye on much of anything. I, I don't know if they're always going out being buddy-buddy after oh, no. work. No. But um, they're probably a lot more similar than either of them would like to admit. Yes. And well, the, yeah, the, I, I think they are. And one at least in this instance with this writer, is willing to be himself warts and all and confess that he can't let go of things. And Russell Wilson's brand, Mm -hmm. uh, or as it's termed in the piece, uh, Russell Incorporated, that's something that Sean Payton wants no part of. And it was last year. In 2022, it was Russell Wilson Incorporated. And that the branding was much more important to Russell Wilson Certainly. than anything else, except by the end of the year, Russell Wilson figured out, you know what? Regardless of what my branding is, if I don't play well, I'm not going to the Hall of Fame. You don't get into the Hall of Fame on branding. You and- get into the Hall of Fame by playing. Russell Wilson won his Super Bowl and even went back a second time. Sean Payton never got back after winning the first time. And it seemed at the time Sean Payton almost sensed that when he said that people were already starting to forget that we won this game. He said this hours after the game, and it came from the Bill Parcells uh, mantra of uh, four words, success is never final. Right. And it, you, you can have it, and then then it's gone. It's fleeting. And you may think you can get back. You may be think you're going back. And then three years later, you're suspended for a year. First time that a commissioner has suspended a coach since 1978. And all of a sudden, your life changes. You, you get a divorce. Uh, the, the, you're not the same guy in New Orleans. Uh, now, I said a few weeks ago, look at his winning percentage pre-Bounty Gate and post-Bounty Gate. Um, I must confess Pre-Bounty Gate is better, distinctly better than post-Bounty mm-hmm. Gate. But post-Bounty Gate ain't bad. 90 and 55 and 3 and 5 in the playoffs is not awful. Uh, and so the, the piece is fascinating. But the one thing that jumped out, other than the things that were mentioned a few minutes ago that are absolutely right, there are 35 Super Bowl winning head coaches. 21 of the 35 have won one Super Bowl. 14 have won two or more. He wants another. Sean Payton doesn't want to be part of the 21 for too much longer. You could longer. make the same argument he about quarterbacks. He wants to be part of the yeah, he wants to be one of the other of guys who won two or more. Who wouldn't? And because, I, get, I get that. But, but he's looking at it. I don't want to be Don McCafferty. I don't want to be 
Mike McCarthy. I don't want to be John Gruden. And Russell Wilson doesn't want to be Phil Simms. I get it. I tell you what, Phil Simms is on two Super Bowl winning teams. I know he's hurt well, the second right. time, but Jeff Hostetler did. But yeah, but to me, if if you were to ask me, neither one would be in the Hall of Fame. And I love Phil Simms, but it, it wasn't. It was too bad he got hurt and wasn't a part of the second Super Bowl. If he had been a part of the second Super Bowl in an active sense, not just on yeah. the team, but in an active sense, then I think he he would have been in the Hall of Fame. But I, I think Phil Sims and Russell Wilson are not stylistically similar at all, but kind of in the same position where it, it, it just wasn't good enough for long enough. And they're not Hall of Famers. They're in the Hall of Fame of the very, very, very good. Even the Hall of Fame of excellence. Unless he's the Hall starting quarterback on a second winning team. But that would apply to Sean Payton right. too. Well, this and is that's this why is my their point. Fates are intertwined. This is my point. Fa- you're is, right. Their it, fates are intertwined. This is two different people. The best thing that could happen for the Denver Broncos is these two guys realize we need each other. We have the same goal. We maybe come at it differently, and and I get it. Sean Payton wants to talk about Russell Wilson Incorporated. Well, here's the difference, and it's, it's a significant one. Sean Payton's made good money in his career, very good money. He's going to make between seventeen and twenty. Is the he's Broncos making good money now. He's making good money now. So he's made over the course of his career, you know, probably you know, it's it's difficult to tell, but probably close to eighty ninety million dollars, and it'll now go up more. Russell Wilson's already made two hundred and forty, and that's away from. Not, not accounting of his yeah. earnings away from the field. Russell Wilson's also 25 years and exactly one month younger than Sean Payton. And this is where my concern with Sean Payton, and I've talked about my concerns about Russell Wilson, comes to bear. You're 25 years older than your quarterback. You've made a fraction of what your quarterback makes, regardless of what you think you deserve that or otherwise. Of course, your quarterback, a quarter century younger and far wealthier, is going to have a different angle on the way that he treats his business than you do with yours. But that needs to get set aside so you can get on the same page. Because I'll tell you what, I don't know how long Sean Payton is going to be the head coach of the Denver Broncos. But it's probably for the next two years. And that's why Russell Wilson's going to be here for the next two years, too, barring something very, uh, very unusual. I, I, Sean Payton's going to be here well after Russell Wilson is long Quite gone. possibly. But. Well after that. I, I, I don't think it's equal. In that in that No, I don't way, think it's equal. I, 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 I think Sean one, Payton will be here longer. One guy will Certainly. be replaced yeah, well, this Russell year turning 35. if he doesn't perform. The other guy will get no criticism. I'm not. Of the team, if the team does not perform. The other guy won't get criticism. Now, Sean Payton has his own demons, but Sean Payton, paranoid as he may be, knows he's not coaching for his job. There's also an interesting section in this piece that we got right, and everybody else in this city and Mark Maskey, a terrific NFL reporter for the Washington Post, got wrong. Remember when we first started, the story was out there that Sean Payton interviewed for the first time the interview went badly because there was a power struggle the way it was presented the implication was that the power struggle existed between Peyton and ownership Peyton does not in general like owners very much so it was easy 
to believe that that might have been true. I mean, this is a guy that's torn into his owners and the team president already. Exactly. But that was not true, and Peyton went ballistic and thought Goodell planted the story, or somebody in the NFL office got to Mark Maskey's, a very well-connected reporter, and said, you know, that Sean Peyton's interview with the Broncos went badly because there was a, there was a power struggle, but it wasn't between Peyton and ownership. It was between Penner and Walton. That's what turned Sean right. Peyton. And this piece establishes Sean Peyton was desperate to get back into coaching. He wasn't exactly miserable last year, but he has this golfing group that gets together in Idaho. Well, you talked the about how he obsesses about needing it. Yeah. L.A. is part of that group, okay? Wayne Gretzky's a part of that group. September comes along, though. They all go back home, and there's no more golf group. So this idea that Sean Payton had initially, I'll get out of football, and, you know, it'll be the best thing that ever happened to me. All the pressure will be off. I can hang out with my buddies. I can play golf. He's a golf nut. Uh, can play golf all the time. I don't know that he's Steve Spurrier. He's uh, a yeah. golf nut, but he's he loves his golf. But all those people go away. They go back to their lives. And he's there by himself with, with his wife, his new wife. Right. And, and that's great. But he's by himself. So he's anxious to get back into coaching. But the first interview, he, in his defense, and we presented it this way, and everybody else misunderstood it or said the story was false. Well, the story wasn't false. They just got it wrong. There was a power struggle, but it didn't involve Sean Payton. So he was right to be angry about it being portrayed that way. And he talks about that in this piece. But it also, part of his paranoia comes out because he's convinced that Goodell or somebody else in the NFL Always someone out to get planted you. the story with Maskey. So it's part of the paranoia. I worry about that. that. And the, it, but there is also, to your point, an obsessive belief in control, obsessive to the point where current Bronco employees and Sean Payton knows this and frankly doesn't particularly. The season hasn't started yet. Employees despise Sean Payton out of Dove Valley. And he knows that and even believes, even believes there's a reason for that because I can be an a-hole and I, I, you know, I, I think he's trying to let go, but he can't quite let go. And it's really a fascinating piece. You you, you have to read it. But the, the key line in the piece to me was that he perceives a pattern of being targeted and slighted for more than a decade oh boy. since Bounty Gate. That's his perception, and he does not mince words. Uh, his The whole thing... The whole thing about their getting, quote-unquote, cheated out of a Super Bowl appearance in that championship game against the Rams, he was on the competition committee. But he said that it wasn't the competition committee that created the idea of all-star officiating crews for the playoffs. It was the labor battle between the referees and the league And you know what? You can be paranoid, but you can be dead on right about certain things. Sometimes. You can be 
dead right on certain things. Now, Broker there Cox are things right you have to leave. Too, yeah, there are things, even if you're right, you've got to let go. And that's why I said a few months ago, a big challenge for Sean Payton this year is going to be losing a game and avoiding the temptation to blame the officials for it. Or apparently the commissioner. Or the league. Or the whole league. The vast, the vast conspiracy against Sean Payton. Uh, that's a sobering thought. You know, we'll have to consider that as the season gets going. The Raiders, of course, will be in town on Sunday. We'll find out how the Broncos started out. Uh, I've been receiving some of your texts as well. Damian Bailey has a couple that we can uh, take a peek at. We'll do that next on My Life Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Want to remind you, of course, it's your show, too. So we always look forward to your feedback. Call and text line is 303-831-1340. Danny's been monitoring that in the booth. Uh, what have you got, Mr. Bailey? Yeah, just one for now. Uh, guys, Sean Payton is going to be here a lot longer than Wilson. Mm -hmm. Between Mm -hmm. his play and personality, people are done with him. Wilson is always running for class president (laughs) from self-proclaimed man of the people. Yeah. Well... There's that's true. And I wasn't trying to insinuate the two are joined at the hip. They most certainly are not. In fact, no, but their professional fates, but their professional fates. Well, not even not even the professional fate, the personal ones that they both want. They the personal, the personal goals that both really that they are both focused on getting. They both want going about it in very interesting ways, some of which you could argue, quite frankly, the ways that both of them go about it might be inherently self defeating yes yeah i i agree with that in both cases i agree with that um i think losing eats at sean payton more than it does with russell wilson yes russell wilson loves to win yep everybody likes to win russell wilson really no he loves to win to win that's that's a big part of his deal and a part of his brand that that he's a winner and everything else sean payton hates to lose more than he loves to win. They both want the Hall of Fame, though, and they both need a little bit of a boost. Uh, I think Sean Payton, now listen, Mike Shanahan won consecutive Super Bowls. He's one of the 14. He's still not in. Right? And he isn't in. Mike Holmgren was in Super Bowls with two different teams. He's not in. He's not in. Yeah. I think both will be in eventually. eventually. Yes, I agree. Hopefully during their lifetimes. Yeah. I like them both. I feel confident I, they'll I, both I be in. I know yeah. Mike Shanahan a lot better than I know Mike Holmgren, but I know Mike Holmgren pretty well. I've, I've talked to him at Super Bowls, spent some time with him, and I, I like him enormously. He's a, a wonderful man. I hope they're both in the Hall of Fame, but they're not in. And so Sean Payton looks at those two guys, and he says, they're not in. And they've been either in multiple Super Bowls or they've won multiple Super Bowls. I've been in one as a head coach and one as an assistant coach when the Ravens just annihilated the Giants. Of course, he wasn't calling the plays by then. So, but but the, those are, they're different personality types, but 
they really oh and and one will admit as sean payton did in this piece i think about the hall of fame all the time i don't think you'll ever get that out of russell wilson that i think of the no. hall of fame all the time because it would sound uh it would sound as if he were a different He's focusing person on the wrong thing that right. then uh, right then he is portrayed as as being correct right it would seem selfish and that's not part of his brand. My right. selfishness is not part of his brand. Uh, Sean Payton is both, I think, a little uncomfortable with his excessive tendencies, but also knows that his mentor, Bill Parcells, has given him great feedback, but Parcells couldn't let things go. And we've either. pointed out that there's, there's Parcells was fighting with owners all the there's time. There's guys that come off a coaching tree and they are similar. And I've said this before. John uh, Payton is like you put Bill Parcells on top of the old copy machine, and shh, the one that comes out the bottom is Sean Payton. He's just the offensive version, and yeah. Parcells is the. But they, but they handle version. things. They're the, sort of the same they, guy. They're the same guy. Same guy. And that's why they get along. And one can say things to the other as kind of the older brother, mm-hmm. if not father figure, older brother. And, you know, well, can Sean do, Payton do, find do, that do with as Wilson? I say, not as I did. Mm. And Sean Payton worked for Bill Parcells. So he understands in Dallas, uh, first of all, how much responsibility as offensive play caller that Sean Payton had because Bill Parcells was focused on the defense. So he had a lot of say-so with Parcells, but, you know, he also picked up some of the obsessive traits that Parcells always had, and that translated into his head coaching. And, you know, you can look at Sean Payton's career and read this piece and understand, boy, he has enormous success that first year. They go, they start 3-0, and they finish 10-6, and Nobody thinks that they can do much of anything. It's their first year back in New Orleans. A lot of people thought, at least going into that season, Drew Brees had a bum shoulder and he's washed up. Most teams in the NFL felt that way about Drew Brees. Anybody Mm -hmm. could have had him. And it turns out that Sean Payton gets him, and it's a match made in heaven. Now, those are two guys who connected immediately, intellectually, professionally, personally, Drew Brees was around camp this year. Right. And he and Sean Payton in this piece uh, by Seth Wickersham are talking about the 817 touchdowns that the Saints scored in the 16 years of Sean Payton, 15 years of the active coach, and one year, of course, suspended for bounty gate. No team in the history of the NFL has scored 807 touchdowns over a 16-year period. No one. And so they're going back and forth, and they will always share that, right? And they even had this weird kind of body language during games when if they scored a touchdown, as you can see here, they scored a bunch of them, that if it was Peyton who called the right play more than Breeze making a great play, Breeze would go over and initiate Congratulations. If it was the other way around, Breeze would come off and Peyton would approach Breeze and initiate the congratulations. 
I don't see that dynamic existing with Wilson and Peyton, but uh, let's see, you do the math, 807 touchdowns over 16 years, most of them generated by the combination of Peyton and Breeze. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Broncos certainly hope they have that kind of uh, ratio. Yeah, they would hope for sure. It is going to be a big week. Obviously, the uh, the Huskers come into town on Saturday for the, another national broadcast in Boulder. The Broncos will host the Raiders for the NFL opener on Sunday. We'll have plenty to talk about all week in the NFL itself. We'll kick off on Thursday. The Chiefs will be uh, getting ready that's for right. their title defense. Hey, that's just uh, that's a little more than forty eight right. hours. I mean, we're from we're now. almost there, folks. So it, it is. There's a lot going on. Thanks so much for to uh, Arn Anderson for joining us from Fox Thirty One. Follow him. On Twitter at Arn Anderson, Danny Bailey's the man, the booth that makes it all work. And thanks to you, whether you're listening on the FM or the HD radio, whether you're at MyLifeSports.com, either watching it or listening to it, or if you got ahead of it and just get it the easiest way of all, got the free and easy to grab MyLife Sports app, which has all of that. Plus, the reporting of Cordy Rourke on the uh, Denver Broncos. We'll have him later on this week as well. We're stepping aside for the day, but we will be back tomorrow. Thanks to Danny in the booth, as I mentioned. For Sandy Clough, I'm Sean Drotar. We'll see you then. But in the meantime, keep it right here on My Life Sports. Will I slide or separate my side? I don't.